You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunkin' with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen each and every day. And remember, Locked On Wolves is free and available on all platforms that includes YouTube now, as well as, of course, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked On T-Wolves and at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy post-game podcast. This is the post-game pod following Monday night's victory, the Timberwolves over the Clippers out in LA. And today on the show, we are going to give this, uh, I guess, a preseason post-game pod swing, right? The first full post-game post, uh, post pod, I should say. Um, and uh, we'll see We'll see how this goes. Get ready for this regular season that starts next week. I want to talk game flow real quickly here off the top. Less impactful, I think, for for preseason, but still important to to kind of dig into, uh, you know, how how things went, the Wolves rotations, et cetera. There were a couple of players out, you know, precautionary reasons uh, due to injury that I want to touch on. And then we'll talk about the key takeaways from the game and also studs and duds who really continue to impress for the Timberwolves. And uh, there were some key players who played extremely well in this one that we hadn't really seen show out yet in preseason. So I want to get into all that on the show today. Um, so let's go ahead and jump in with game flow. So first of all, Josh Akogi was out at, it was a late addition to the injury report earlier on Monday. He was not on the initial injury report that was released over the weekend, but he has apparently had a sore ankle. Uh, Patrick Beverly missed the game due to, uh, what's the term that they're using? Uh, uh, return to competition, reconditioning in his, uh, I guess, unofficial return to Los Angeles. Um, of course, after being traded a couple of times this offseason, season ended up in Minnesota after four years in LA. Of course, Pat Bev, Entered training camp a little bit late. He had some travel, uh, re-entry after travel, had to get cleared, all that stuff. So he's a little bit behind. Made sense. You know, Give him some mate, a maintenance day. He didn't play. And then also Jordan McLaughlin had been on the injury report over the weekend with a mild strain to uh, to his left groin, or excuse me, right groin. Um, so Timberwolves were no Akogi, no Beverly, no McLaughlin. That meant the starting lineup was shuffled once again for the third time this preseason, third different lineup in three different preseason games. Today, uh, of course, D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Townsend, Anthony Edwards were the consistent or the, the constants in the starting lineup. Jade McDaniels started at the four and Malik Beasley got his first start of the preseason. And, uh, you know, it was closer. This, I think if you'd asked the average Timberwolves fan, you know, three, four weeks ago, what's the starting lineup going to be opening night? You probably would have heard them say D'Lo, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, Jade McDaniels, Carl Anthony Towns. This is the lineup I would expect to start on opening night. Uh, except for Vanderbilt instead of McDaniels. I'd bring McDaniels off the bench if I were Chris Finch. Doesn't look like he's likely to do that. McDaniels, it seems like, will be a starter, whether that's at the three with uh, Jared Vanderbilt at the four or at the four with either Josh Akogi or maybe uh, you know Beasley and Edwards on the wing. Uh, of course, Edwards, but either Beasley or Akogi probably play in the other wing spot. Um, so at any rate, the starting lineup in this one uh, was a little bit different. And the Timberwolves took an early lead of, you know, it was a three point lead at the end of the first quarter. Um, this thing was, was really kind of, um, it was actually a pretty well contested game early. And of course for the Clippers, I should note, of, of course, Paul George, uh, wasn't playing, was resting in this game. There was no, uh, there was no, I obviously no Kawhi Leonard is out, is out for the foreseeable future, but no Marcus Morris, no Serge Ibaka, no Reggie Jackson. So this was not the full strength Clippers squad. Um, 
but it was a pretty well played game early in the game. Um, and you know, we saw a lot of Edwards shooting threes early, missing a lot of threes, wasn't really in rhythm. Interestingly, the substitution pattern now with no Patrick Beverly and no Jordan McLaughlin, the de facto next point guard up, uh, outside of McKinley, Wright, Of course, the three, uh, the two way player. And, and I guess you would assume the fourth string point guard Jalen Noel was actually the first sub off the bench for Chris Finch and basically played point guard. Anthony Edwards ran a lot of the offense, I guess, at that point, once, um, once uh, D'Lo got a rest. And then D'Lo came back in at the after three timeout, uh, or the under three timeout, I should say, in the first quarter. So D'Lo was the first out, Noel first in in the substitution pattern. Then D'Lo came back and uh, kind of ran the offense once Townsend and Ant went to the bench for a rest. Um, then uh, the, that D'Angelo Russell plus bench lineup, it was D'Lo and, and just a bunch of bench guys. So it was like uh, D'Lo, Vanderbilt at the four, Nasrid at the five, um, Jalen Noel stayed on the floor, and then Torian Prince played the three. And that lineup eventually built a five-point uh, lead early in the second quarter. Eventually, D'Lo left the court for Anthony Edwards. And then we saw some towns at the five with Nasrud at the four for the first time in preseason. That happened about midway through the second quarter. We saw a really interesting lineup of Anthony Edwards, Anthony Edwards, Malik Beasley, Jordan McLaughlin, Nasrud, and Carl Anthony Towns. How, I mean, that's a massive lineup. I mean, Edwards is your de facto point guard initiating the offense in that scenario. Beasley's your smallest player on the floor at 6'4". And uh, McDaniel's playing the three at basically basically 6'10". And then Nas and Cat in your front court. Really big lineup. It was effective. The Timberwolves won the second quarter by 13 points and ended up taking a 10-point lead into halftime. Um, right out of the gate in the third quarter, though, the Clippers went on a 10-0 run. And it kind of felt like, hey, this is, again, preseason, obviously. But this is, this is what we've seen time and time again. Nope. Uh, after the Clippers tied it at 67, the Timberwolves went back on a 12-0 run of their own. Um, we saw some D'Angelo Russell playing off the ball, and the Timberwolves started to run some plays for him. We'll get into that later, where he was actually just catching and shooting. And that's, I think, something Chris Finch wants to do more and more with D'Angelo Russell. He talked at one point last week to the media about D'Lo playing on the ball two-thirds of the time and off the ball one-third. I'd be surprised if that number wasn't closer to 50-50 as we get into the meat of the season. Um, Anthony Edwards continues to play great defense. We'll talk more about that later as well. But the Wolves built a 17-point lead. They expanded their lead from 10 at halftime to 17 going to the fourth. And then it was all deep bench guys. Um, Leandro uh, Balmaro had some great minutes off the bench for the Timberwolves late. He played most of the fourth quarter and then sat at the very end. Or I should say, actually, he got into the game late in the third, played the the bulk of the fourth and then sat at the end. Um, and uh, he was kind of the the one deep bench guy that got into the game in the third. And then we saw a bunch of the, uh, you know, the G League guys, you know, the Brian Bowens, Isaiah Miller, McKinley Wright, Nathan Knight, got some minutes. Chris Silva saw the floor um, as well. And those guys all played well and helped extend the Timberwolves lead even further. And they ultimately won this thing by 28 points. Um, but that was, the, that was the basic game flow. Next, what I want to do is get into kind of the key takeaways from this game. Um, if you watch a preseason game, the game flow, you know, the fact that Timberwolves won by 28 is great. The fact that they won again is fantastic. But what are the key takeaways, right? What are we pulling out of this game that's positive? What possibly could be negative moving forward that we want to hang our hat on um, following preseason game number three? And now that the Timberwolves are 3-0. and So we'll hit key takeaways next. And then we'll close the show with individual studs and duds from this victory over the Clippers. First, though, let's talk about our friends over at Sleeper. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball 
was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense at all. It required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. And Game Pick owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players simply had more scheduled games to play in that week are over. The days of mindless daily busy work are also over, and the days of giving up halfway through the season because of said busy work are definitely also over. In game picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on player matchups, home versus away, opponent's defensive ranking, pace of play, and more. All of that adds up to more strategy and less of the dreaded busy work. Whether you prefer redraft, keeper, or dynasty, game picks has you covered. Sleeper cracked the fantasy basketball code. If you play fantasy football, which by the way I do, and I do play my dynasty league is through Sleeper. If you prefer, if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you are going to love Game Picks. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. Okay, let's talk uh, key takeaways from this game. So number one, with no Beverly, no Jordan McLaughlin, the fact that Jalen Noel was the de facto backup point guard to me is fascinating. Probably not surprising. We saw him take on more of a ball handling role in summer league, and I think that fits him, right? I mean, he's ideally an off ball. He's the two guard who can initiate offense, more of a six man type. I've been bullish on Noel for uh, over a year now. And I think he has a future in this league as a rotation guy. And and with the Wolves, it may not be unless there's injuries, um, and hopefully there's not. But Noel really tried to get himself. I mean, he played really well in this game. This was obviously the most opportunities had in the preseason, being the first guy off the bench previously. He was a fourth quarter kind of afterthought outside the regular 9-10 man rotation. But he was really good in this game. Um, we also saw Anthony Edwards get the opportunity to initiate offense a little bit more. And Ant struggled early. He missed, I think, three of his first shot attempts were three-pointers. He missed all three of those three-point tries. Had a couple really nice takes early as well. Um, but as the game went on, he got more and more comfortable. He was better initiating offense. He tied for the team lead in turnovers with three to only two assists. But generally speaking, this was the best Ant has looked in preseason. He did start to look more aggressive as the game went on. He hit a deep three in the second half. And, you know, I mean, the Wolves will take 7 to 13 shooting from Ant any day of the week. 17 points, three rebounds, two assists. Um, spoiler, he's not going to hit my studs or duds list for this game, but it was a solid all-around game. And again, we saw him with the ball in his hands initiating offense more, and that, of course, led to him being more aggressive, both passing the ball and trying to score. And uh, it was good to see. It was good to see him be more active. Um, and as for Jalen Noel, same thing. He's not going to hit studs or duds in this game. But uh, he played 21 minutes, 10 points, five assists for him, zero turnovers, three of eight shooting. He was a tied for the, uh, I guess, second on the team with a plus 15 and 21 minutes played in the plus minus column. Generally a great game from him. Um, he jacked up a ton of shots in his first stint and then kind of calmed down, played more of the initiation role, uh, distribution role instead of looking for his shot all the time, which is what he does most naturally and, and does a good job of. He's a three-level scorer. He's relatively efficient. Um, but this was a balanced performance from Jalen Noel. And I think that mostly came out of the coaching staff asking him, hey, look, we don't have, we, we only have essentially one active point guard uh, besides McKinley Wright, who they didn't want to use till later in the game. You know, no Jordan or McLaughlin, no Patrick Beverly. It's Edwards and it's Jalen Noel or the other guys outside of D'Angelo Russell initiating offense. So they asked him to do more than just score. And, and I thought he stepped up and did that. Related is we saw some, some D'Lo playing off the ball. This was more second, third quarter. Uh, once we got into the game and the Timberwolves built a little bit of a lead, 
We saw a couple of possessions where D'Lo basically set a screen and then flared out uh, for you know an open three-point shot. Of course, he shot off the bounce plenty. He also set up a couple of nice passes by shooting off the bounce and transition deep threes early in the game. And then he had, uh, there was one, and I forget who it was now. Um, I think it was it was either McDaniels or Vanderbilt. I think it was McDaniels kind of uh, slipped a screen and got to the basket in transition when it looked like D'Lo was going to pull up from 33 feet. And he, you know, rifled a pass to McDaniels for an easy dunk um, or Vanderbilt or whoever it was for an easy dunk. Um, and that's the savvy of D'Lo working within the offense. This was, I know he was lights out in the first preseason game and he was, he was really not good in the second one. This was his best all around performance. I'll talk more about that here in a minute. Um, but, but in general, we saw Chris Finch showed a little bit of what he wants to do with D'Lo, which is play him off the ball more often, allow him to do his thing in catch and shoot situations. And honestly, even even a little bit as a cutter, um, D'Lo most, mostly naturally is going to hang out around the perimeter, but he's not a bad cutter. And even though he doesn't like getting to the rim, he's got such good touch for mid range, whether that's shooting jumpers at the elbows or, or you know, a little further out than that, like a true mid range shot, or if it's floaters, D'Lo can really score. Um from anywhere on the court. And he, he was a little bit more crafty tonight, a little bit more willing to take on contact than we've seen. And it probably all goes back to him being healthy finally, which he talked about a little bit, uh, media day and, and, uh, you know, leading into the seat or leading into training camp about how healthy he finally feels and, and how that's going to change his game. And, and I think we saw that in this game. Also, he and Carl Anthony Towns, um, they played a little bit more two-man game than we've, we've seen, uh, so far in preseason. And it led to, you know, there was a Towns three on a D'Lo uh, kickout. There was a, a deep D'Angelo Russell three on a, a sideline on a bounds play after a timeout. It was an ATO that was drawn up for Towns, drawn up for Towns to get the ball in the right post or left post, actually. And Towns was patient, waited until he almost got the full double team, double team, kicked the pass out to Russell, and he knocked down a deep three. Um, and that's the sort of, you know, if you double towns, he's going to kick it to D'Lo. And if D'Lo's not open, he's going to kick it to Malik Beasley. And he's going to kick it to, hopefully, you know, Jade McDaniels hit, I think, three corner threes in this game. Um, the Timberwolves now have enough shooters that they can make teams pay for doubling Carl Anthony Towns. And D'Lo is a good enough passer to make that secondary pass and get Towns like hockey assist on a play like that. But in this case, D'Lo was able to squeeze the trigger and make a deep three. Um, and then there was also a, a similar kind of dribble handoff situation where D'Lo got himself a nice mid-range jumper um, off of some action with Towns. Um, that's the sort of thing we're going to see more and more of. And again, it's well-documented how little time Towns and, and Russell have actually played together on the floor. But in this game, even though it was still not that much, right? I mean, these guys were still, what, uh, Russell played 23 minutes, Towns played 25. My prediction was they played 25 to 28 minutes, so pretty close to that. So it's not like they were on the court a ton together, but we saw a lot of two-man game between D'Lo and Towns, and it was uh, very, very uh, impressive. And then the last key takeaway here is the continued defensive aggressiveness. I mean, this was a kind of a, at times, turned into a real exhibition in terms of pace of play, almost some cherry picking, especially at the end of the first half. And yet the Timberwolves defense was impressively aggressive, I thought, um, especially the pick and roll coverage. You know, f the Wolves now playing at the level more than, you know, in the past they were playing mostly drop coverage, like 90% of the time, I think, the last couple of seasons with David Vanterpool as the associate head coach and defensive coordinator. Now this year, it's 
this has also been well documented. The Timberwolves are going to play at the level now. Their their big isn't going to sag. They're going to play up closer to the ball um, and not allow themselves to to get drawn into uh, you know wide open mid range shots um, like what happens so often in past years. And also that then spilled into giving up wide open three point shots. Um, and so far this preseason. The offense has been, or excuse me, the defense has been really aggressive in pick and roll coverage. And I would say with the exception of maybe Malik Beasley, who struggled a little bit in this game on both ends of the floor, I would say that the defense was pretty aggressive. I mean, we saw D'Angelo Russell got beat a couple times. That's going to happen. It's the NBA. But his level of aggressiveness was where it needed to be um, on the ball. Anthony Edwards continues to impress defensively in preseason. I've been really, really really surprised, pleasantly so. And, and this was another game where Ant did what he was asked to do defensively. And I was really impressed by it. Carl Anthony Towns continues to be good. Generally, the Timberwolves rotations are better defensively. They're contesting jump shooters. Um, I mean, the Clippers shot, what did they shoot this game? 10 of 38 from outside the arc, 26.3%. I mean, that'll play. Um, obviously, this isn't the, uh, the, the full Clippers team, but I mean, the starting backcourt of Terrence Mann and uh, Luke Kennard combined to shoot seven of 17 from outside the arc. The rest of the team combined to only make three threes the entire game. And that's a testament to the Wolves contesting shots from outside the arc, not really allowing open shots in the first place, but getting solid contests. And, and actually the Wolves got a ton of fast break points in this game. Contesting and releasing was effective in this one too. And the Wolves were able to speed up the pace of the game, but still play solid enough defense to give themselves a very comfortable win and a lot of garbage time in the fourth quarter. So I think the biggest thing is just in general, the defensive aggressiveness that the Timberwolves showed was really impressive. Okay. I want to close the post game pod by talking studs and does individual performances, uh, a couple of key players, the Timberwolves success this year that played really well in this game. And then I will single out one individual player who had a dud of a game for the Timberwolves. We're going to do that next. First, let's talk about betonline.ag. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With the new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From football to basketball, boxing right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Again, promo code LOCKEDON to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit over at BetOnline.ag. Okay, uh, let's talk uh, studs and duds in this one. So the easy, easy number one answer for for the best player in the four for the Wolves in this one for me is D'Angelo Russell. He was really good. This is two out of three preseason games now that he's been arguably the best player in the four for the Wolves. He had 19 points, nine assists, seven rebounds in this game. I wrote down what his uh, his halftime stats were. He had 12 points, eight assists, and six rebounds at the half. He finished so 12, eight, and six. He finished with 19, nine, and seven. Only played 23 minutes. 7 of 11 shooting, 3 of 4 outside the arc, 2 of 3 at the free throw line. Um, one steal, just two turnovers, was a plus 9 in his 23 minutes. And uh, really solid. Again, on and off the ball, of course, starting the game running the offense, played a little bit more off the ball while the Timberwolves allowed Anthony Edwards and Jalen Noel to initiate some offense in the second and third quarters. Um, but Dilo was very comfortable in both scenarios, had a pulse on the pace of the game. He only had, I think, one kind of ill-advised deep three in transition, 
but he's going to do that two, three times a game. And he's probably going to make, you know, I mean, what off the dribble deep threes, he's close to 40%. So he's going to make one to two out of every three of those that he shoots, right? The math tells us he's going to be successful a decent chunk of the time. And it's the threat of being able to do that. Um, that, that also opens up slip screens. It opens up, um, you know, uh, other opportunities in transition for the Timberwolves, maybe in the secondary break to get an open corner three from a trailer or something like that, uh, because of the threat of D'Lo popping a 35 footer, um, you know, in the open floor. And, uh, I mean, as long as he's making them at a close to a 40% clip, that's beneficial for the Timberwolves offense. And he was really good. And I mentioned this a minute ago, really good defensively too. I mean, like, the effort is there. And for D'Lo, again, because he's got solid size, great anticipation, he's always been okay in terms of steal rate, mostly because of that anticipation, and, and he gambles a little bit. But um, if he stays home and plays solid defense and fights through screens and understands the concept, and he's a, he's generally a smart player, um, I mean, D'Lo's so good offensively, all he's got to do is be basically average defense. And, uh, you know, we look at, at the other Timberwolves players who are good defensively, Patrick Beverly, Jade McDaniels, Josh Akogi, um, Leandro Balmaro, if he, if he gets some minutes as part of the rotation, if D'Lo is average defensively and he is himself offensively, and by that I mean, you know, Brooklyn Nets all-star year uh, and basically Timberwolves when, when he's on the floor with Towns, if he's that version and also parts of his Golden State year, although I think, I, I think he's been a little better with Minnesota, um, I mean, then he's close to... Like, honestly, I, I like sitting here right now, Delo's, I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago. He's probably only like a top 60, top 70 player. But if the defense is average and the offense is where it can be, then he's borderline all-star again. I mean, that's kind of the ceiling for Delo at this point, realistically. And this is the version, you know, games one and three of the preseason, but especially this one, that if, if the Timberwolves get out of D'Angelo Russell, they're going to be really scary this year. You know, 19, 9, and 7 and 23 minutes is fantastic. Um, the second stud I want to point out for the Timberwolves is Jaden McDaniels. After being really kind of non-existent in the first two preseason games, he was fantastic in this one. 15 points, five rebounds in 20 minutes. He added an assist and a steal, just one turnover. Uh, foul trouble a little bit again, four personals. I think he he picked up three pretty quick in this one. Four personals in just 20 minutes, played the least amount of minutes of any starter. But six of eight shooting, three of four on threes. He hit all three of his threes from the corners. And that's going to be, I mean, that was kind of his role last year, right? Is he stood in the corner and, and shot threes uh, when the ball swung to him as the fifth option on offense? I mean, he was the fifth option again in this one too, right? I mean, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, Carlton Towns, he ended up shooting the ball a lot more than Beasley did. But realistically, once we're in regular season and Beasley's up to speed, I mean, McDaniels is option number five almost all the time, which is, by the way, one of the reasons I've talked about this on previous episodes I think J-Mac may be better suited coming off the bench where he can be a little more, a little bit more involved in the offense. Uh, but he did well with what he had in this one. Again, 15-5, an assist to steal, just one turnover in 20 minutes, six of eight shooting, three threes made on four attempts, all makes from the corners, and solid defensively, per usual, for Jaden McDaniels. Easily his best game of the preseason, no question about it, and also made his case. I mean, I'm sitting here talking about how he should come off the bench. Made his case to be the starting four next to Towns. I mean, he was really good. Uh, when he was on the floor with Towns. Um, I, I, generally speaking, I prefer the Wolves to have a little more size on the court. McDaniels rebounded well enough in this game. Um, but uh, 
that would be the one concern I have with him at the four in the starting lineup is is rebounding. Um, if Edwards is at the three and Beasley's at the two. But at any rate, great game for Jaden McDaniels. My third stud in this one's Nas Reed off the bench. 20 minutes played. He had 13 points, five rebounds, two assists, two steals, and two blocks for Nas. Six of 10 shooting, one of three outside the arc. He was a team best plus 16 in 20 minutes was fantastic. He played stretches with Towns. Uh, this was, I think, mostly in the second quarter when he was at the four along with Towns. And those were the that was the Wolves kind of outside of when they pulled away in the third quarter. That was their best stretch of minutes with Nas and Towns together. The size is just really kind of, I mean, the Clippers could not deal with the amount of size. There was one possession um, that they had where uh, Jordan McLaughlin missed on a drive. This was actually, this was second quarter. McLaughlin drove to his left. He missed a tough shot, um, kind of fading away from the rim, a layup scoop shot type thing. Nas gets the offensive rebound, misses the putback, but then Cat's right there to grab the putback and score. You got essentially three guys who are averaging 6'10", 6'11", with Nas, McDaniels, and Towns all there on the floor together, all mobile, all with fantastic toucher on the rim. And in the case of of uh, Towns and to a lesser extent, Nas can also finish through players at the rim. That's dangerous. Um, and then you can rotate through Vanderbilt. I mean, that's a, that's a foursome that nobody wants to deal with. McDa- the athleticism and length of McDaniels and, and the ability to shoot from outside Nas with the touch and the size and the length towns with the ability to score from everywhere and Vanderbilt with the stick to uh, the effort, the athleticism, the length, the rebounding ability, the aggression, that that group of four that'll kind of filter through the four and the five over the course of a game for the Wolves is is genuinely, I mean, they're all long. They can all rebound their position to an extent. I mean, McDaniels obviously is better rebounding if he's playing the three than the four. Um, they can all shoot the three except for Vanderbilt. So three of the four can shoot the three. Three of the four can rebound. Um, they all have some touch around the rim. Vanderbilt more so with, uh, with explosiveness than he does with actual touch. But it's just a group that has great, you know, they do everything together as a group. Uh, they all have the ability to do a variety of things and that's dangerous. Um, it gives Chris Finch the ability to have a variety of different looks. And, and uh, I think the Wolves front court is a little bit unsung at this point and we'll have a really good season. But Nas Reed, uh, D'Angelo Russell, Jordan McLaughlin are my three studs for this game. The only dud I'm going to list is Malik Beasley. Poor guy gets a start and wasn't really involved in the offense. He had his struggles, um, He, but he also only shot the ball twice in this game. He was one of two shooting in 23 minutes, missed his only three-point attempt, two points, three assists, one rebound. He did turn it over twice as well. And he was he was the weak link defensively, which is not unusual for him. Uh, but I think we saw some minor steps in the right direction, baby steps, I think, if we could even call them that last season in terms of his defensive effort. Um, and he was just kind of quiet the first two preseason games, got a little more involved in game two. But in this one, again, kind of the same story, quiet, poor defensively, just kind of seemed out of sorts on offense. Um, now he's a little bit behind everybody else in terms of conditioning because of the offseason that he had. And he also has probably the least defined role, right? I mean, Edwards, Towns, Russell are all starting. McDaniels and Vanderbilt, one of them will start. One will be the primary backup at the four, most likely. Uh, and, you know, Torian Prince knows he's coming off the bench. Um, Nas Reed knows he's the backup center, might get some minutes at the four. Josh Okoge knows he's going to get some minutes on the wing. Patrick Beverly knows he's D'Angelo Russell's primary backup. I mean, what is Malik Beasley's role? He's going to get minutes, right? But is he a starter? Is he the sixth man? Is he going to be kind of the offensive punch for the second unit? Or is he going to be the fourth option with the starters? Um, He doesn't know. Uh, Most likely. It seems that way, at least. He's basically had three different roles so far in three preseason games. 
And so that plays into it as well as the conditioning thing and the weird off season. So we'll see. I mean, I think it's going to take some time for him to round into form, which by the way, this is a complete side note and probably something better served to to talk about in a future show. Um, But Beasley is not, uh, not likely to, 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 be at the peak of his trade value right now, right? If the Wolves were to trade him, teams are going to be like, eh, look what he did in preseason. He was in jail in the offseason for a few weeks. Like, is the conditioning there? What are we trading for exactly? So it's in the Wolves' best interest to continue to build his trade value up if indeed they do think he's somebody they could trade in the near future for a big name. Um, so that's a good segue to the final thing I want to talk about on the show. And we'll we'll cover this more on Wednesday's program. Today, I wanted to focus on the game from Monday night. But of course, there was the news today reported simultaneously by Sham Sharani of The Athletic and Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN that Ben Simmons was planning to return to the Sixers at some point this week. And Rich Paul and Clutch Sports were discussing his return with the Sixers. That apparently has now happened, according to ESPN, that he quietly reported to Philadelphia without really giving any, you know, the media didn't know that he was showing up. He was there. He's doing COVID testing. It's going to take a few days for him to actually get back into the swing of things with the team. But uh, again, more on this on Wednesday's show, but it really feels like this is heading towards more of the Jimmy Butler 2018, James Harden, you know, December, 2020, January, 2021 thing where he's around the team. He plays in a handful of games, maybe a dozen games, you know, two, three weeks into the season, he finally gets traded. Uh, what does that mean for the Wolves? I don't know. Um, if anything, I guess this is a good thing if you want Ben Simmons on the Wolves because it means that nobody else is about to get him either, right? The Timberwolves aren't, but neither is anybody else. But this is because the Sixers now realize and Simmons now realizes every other team is in season mode, right? They're not going to upset the apple cart with the possible exception of when James Harden was traded from the Thunder to the Rockets, you know, several, several years ago now, what, like eight years ago? Uh, I believe, yeah, about eight, maybe nine years ago. Um most of the time, you're not going to see an eve of the regular season trade of a blockbuster trade of the variety of Ben Simmons, a multi-time all-star, you know, def- all defensive team player shifting teams at this point in the offseason. You're more likely going to get a couple weeks into the season. The Sixers say, hey, we really got to do something. Simmons continues to say, yeah, I need out. And another team's ready to make a splash. Maybe there's an injury or something like that. That's when this thing's probably going to go down at this point. So if you're waiting for a Simmons trade, we're probably at least three weeks out, maybe four to five weeks out from that actually happening and no indication at this point who the front runner is. Uh, you know, it, it's just, there's no way of knowing. Um, but we'll talk more about this. I want to cover that, you know, spend more time on it on Wednesday's show. So be sure to tune back in on Wednesday. Um, thanks once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Remember that, of course, Lockdown Wolves is free and available on every single platform out there, including YouTube now. We're like six weeks into, into YouTube. So if you're on YouTube, if you'd like to watch podcasts on YouTube, please uh, subscribe, like the video if you do like it, um, or even if you don't, it'd be great if you still chose to, to push the like button. I would appreciate that. And uh, if you don't want to look at my face while you listen to the podcast, you can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the all new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves and at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's. CK Yen, we're going to start live tweeting games once we get into the season here, uh, to the regular season, which we're now, what, eight days away from the opener against the Rockets on the 20th at Target Center. Um, so that's all we have for you here today on the show. A reminder that the Lockdown Wolves podcast is, of course, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.